0: any situation in life, there is no best or worst decision than the one that draws you closer to God or the one that drives you far away from Him. And in any given situation, the strongest feelings you will have is how you feel about God at that moment so as we pray this morning let us remember those that have lost their loved ones let us remember the bereaved families and let us do so with an awareness that death is closer to us as well that whilst we mourn with those that are mourning whilst we rejoice with those that are rejoicing There is a great likelihood that at any time such can be reciprocated towards us, others may come and mourn with us. Let us pray for those who are in hospitals, let us pray for those that are fighting sicknesses and diseases, holding on to dear life let us remember that there is no other solution but god that doctors will do what they can but they also have limitations so let's pray heavenly father we thank you for your great love and mercy for us who were hell bound sinners who deserved your wrath but today we are able to stand and proclaim victory in the name of Jesus we are partakers of the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ we are redeemed so this Today we want to lift up others, Lord, who are still yet to experience this amazing grace that has found us. We pray that as many as grapple with death, as they grapple with sickness and disease, with failing marriages, Lord, with failing businesses, with all different kinds of trials and tribulations. May people find you sufficient to comfort, to strengthen, to bring hope, Lord. And more so, may you enable all of us to see beyond our situation and our temporary afflictions and to know that in Christ there is hope, in Christ there is life, in Christ there is all we will ever need for this life and the life beyond. Therefore, touch our hearts with your hand of grace to turn us away from sin, to turn us away from self-centeredness, to turn us away from the love of the world and the pride of life, to turn us away from the lust of the flesh and to position ourselves so that we may focus our eyes on Jesus. The author and the perfecter of our faith under these current faith testing situations we thank you for your word that brings life may your word find a place in our hearts may your word comfort us correct us rebuke us may your word strengthen us may it pierce to the bones and the metals to divide us under the soul and the spirit may your 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 spirit work in us lord To reconfirm our adoption in you that we are sons of God may Holy Spirit convict those who don't know God as Lord and Savior who don't know Jesus as the one who died for them on the cross Holy Spirit may you convict them that there is no other name given to man by which we can be saved except the name of Jesus Christ may at the end Of this talk, may they declare with us Jesus is Lord. To the glory of the Holy Trinity, we pray. Amen. Let me greet you once more in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and thank you for tuning in again. We're continuing on the subject of dying to live and living today last over the last two weeks we have looked at some of the primary considerations this week we want to zoom into the idea of dealing with the loss of a loved one and as i had said what we are endeavoring to do through these talks is to help and fortify our hearts against the effects of death. Admittedly, we are not trying to lessen the pain or take the pain away. But as it were, it is true that forewarned is forearmed. So we want to be able to face our pain with hope, with courage, and with strength. So let me once again take this opportunity for to thank you for tuning in and table before you some of the ideas that i think are important and vital to consider and to grapple with as we continue with this topic number one some of the observations that you and I should be accustomed to by now is that questions surrounding the death of our loved ones and other painful situations we go through are generally normal responses. When we lose loved ones, we are bound to have questions of why and... uh, God, why me, why him, why her, why now, and so on and so forth. So, those questions in themselves are normal. They do not necessarily mean you are losing faith, as we have spoken about the, 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 the psychology of a grief. We spoke about some of the steps that the psychologists have identified. So, in a sense, what we also want to be able to deal with in in the light of the questions that you ask there are also emotions that we go through and today what we want to zoom into is the survival guilt emotion and the survival anger oftentimes when somebody is dead you get to a place where you ask why him?" This person was too young to die. Sometimes it's a baby and you're thinking they have not even had a chance to live. Sometimes it's someone that has just finished their degree, their doctorate, and all that they have worked hard for is suddenly terminated by death. Sometimes it's a community member. It's someone in your family, in the community, who, who, who does so much good for us. A progressive person. And sometimes I have seen even in funerals when people are drunk, they cry and they ask, why such a good person? Why, would it, why was it not me? It could not have been you because you don't know what lies beyond the grave if it was you. And sometimes there's anger. There's anger of why should I be the one who survived? Why should I have to deal with the pain? Why should I be the one who has to mourn all these things, who has to deal with the unanswered questions? And so there's anger sometimes towards God. There's anger towards life. And there's anger even towards ourselves. We think we could have done Something different, we could have done something better, perhaps to avoid the situation. The truth is, what could have been, what should have been, if it was in our power, we would have done it. As it turns out, it normally isn't. And so, I want to look at some of the things that the Bible has to say about death. Some are beyond us and we need to be able, therefore, in dealing with the death of our loved ones. The first thing I want to say is you need to understand the facts about death that are beyond your control, even if it is difficult to accept them. So accepting that this thing is painful, it's it's a different aspect. But being able to understand that, okay, this thing is there, it's beyond me, I cannot control it, helps you to be able to say, okay, it was beyond me. So I want us to start off reading from the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 8, from verse 8. I'm going to read it in the New King James Version, and what I seldom read the version I seldom read, but I felt that this time it captures the essence of what I want to say in the, the Good News version. In the, in the New King James Version, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 8 says, no one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit. And no one has power in the day of death. There is no release from that war. There is no, the, it, no one can take themselves. They can release themselves from that war with death. And wickedness will not deliver those who are given to it. And this is the rendition of the good news. It says, no one can keep from dying or put off the day of death. That is a battle we cannot escape. We cannot cheat our way out. We cannot cheat. We cannot negotiate with the day of death. David says, my days are numbered and are written in God's book. They were ordained before one of them could be. So when such a time comes, none of us has power to retain spirit. None of us can do anything. If it is meant to be, it shall be. Also, there is no specific way to die. And sometimes we want to to look at how people die and create a a, a philosophy of life a perspective a perception a theology around the idea that there, there are better ways to die there are really no better ways to die and we are not promised a specific way of dying if you read in hebrews chapter 11 verse 36 to 37 and 39 it says some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sold into two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. So... Even in faith, even in the will of God, there can be accidents, there can be sicknesses and diseases. There can be pestilences. There can be murder. There can be all kinds of things. Therefore, there is no specific way. And that's something we need to be able to embrace. Uh, When we were in high school, some of our friends, they were banned. It was Claimed that they, they were informant. Some were stoned. Some were buried alive. Therefore, there is no specific way to die, and so we must embrace that reality. Furthermore, oftentimes, when death is to happen, irrational, reckless, dangerous mishaps. Are bound to happen, unfortunate things happened, we went to the hospital, my mother went into the hospital, she was okay, she was struggling with high blood pressure and she was put on a ventilator, few days we had chatted with her, one of the days when we visited her, they had moved her from the ward in which she, she, she was to another ward. And when they put her, they still had the oxygen mask on her face. But they had f- forgotten to switch off, to switch it on rather. And when we arrived with my siblings, I observed that and I asked the nurses, when, how long was my mother in here? They told us the hours. Why is the machine on and yet... Or rather, why is the machine off and yet the oxygen mask is actually, isn't she suffocating? The nurses ran Hector Skelter, realizing that they are actually killing my mom. Few hours later, my mom died. There was devastation. We, there was talk around, let's, l- 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 let's uh, uh, take them to the lawyers. Let's sue them. The reality is, we could have gone that route we could have carried the pain of prolonged mourning and grieving and fighting the system that killed our mother. But we resolved. It's not a battle we want to get into right now. It will not return here. So what the enemy certainly does is that sometimes the enemy takes those misfortunes the fact that a drunken driver came from nowhere and killed innocent bystanders or some reckless driver caused an accident with people who were going on a happily ma- merry-go-round minding their own business. So the enemy uses these incidents to induce in us self-torture, through hatred and vengefulness against those who have wronged us. Ultimately, we lose our ability to nurture our inner selves and we get lost on the path of destroying those whom we hold responsible. We seek justice. Unfortunately, revenge does not produce healing. And that is a reality that sometimes we have to... Am I saying you should not seek recourse? I'm not saying that. I'm basically saying in seeking your own recourse, seek your inner healing as well. And count the cause of that recourse, of that justice you are seeking over your life and the lives of those it will affect. Also, another thing we must consider is that there is no time frame there is no allowance neither is there a specific age for the time of death you cannot believe that death is better when somebody had been sick or when they suddenly died Death has no better time. It depends in what conditions it finds you. If it finds you emotionally strong, you may still be be able to handle it. But there is no time. There is no good time for someone to die. There is no good age. There is no acceptable time, no age. Listen to the story of the child of the widow in the book of Second Kings 4, 1720. It says, But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. The child grew, and one day he went out with his father, who was with, with the reapers. He said to his father, My head, my head. His father told a carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. The boy, who was a miracle child, died. Can you imagine the sense of loss, the sense that, of, of hopelessness that, that these parents had? Death does not regard age, nor does it regard class or status. Listen to another story that is found in 1 Kings chapter 17, from verse 17 to, to 20. It says... Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? Are you have?" Two different classes. The one woman was a well-to-do woman that built a a, a room for the, the men of God. The other one was a widow. The other one did not have someone to look to. But the Bible says both lost their sons. There was no time frame for these kids to be in hospitals. So there really is no time. There's no status You can lose, you can have a stillborn. You can have a miscarriage. You can have an infanticide. Your child dies, uh, what they call caught death. You you can have a 5-year-old, you can have a 10-year-old, 15-year, 20-year, 8-year-old. There is no good time. There is no right age. But there is that reality. Everybody in all categories of life will die. So I do want to say to us, let us be aware that our idea of death should embrace those realities as something that we need to carry with us in our mourning, in our questioning, in our asking ourselves why. The other thing I want to say, I'm saying it not because of its factuality, but rather more of its implications, is that when you're dealing with the loss of a loved one, consider... The possible, I'm saying possible because as I say, I'm not treating this aspect as a fact you need in your life, but rather as a possibility you should entertain. Consider the possible wishes of your loved ones beyond the grave oftentimes when we think of our loved ones we think of how they died and we think of the pain that they they have made they may have gone through when in actual fact the possibilities are depending on what your belief about a life after death is if they are with the lord there is no pain anymore. If they are with the condemned, there, 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 there is great likelihood that there is pain, according to the Bible. But your own pain is not their pain. So, what I want to talk about, in so far as you considering their possible wishes is concerned, is if it were possible to hear them from beyond the grave what would they be wishing for you as you mourn so let's consider this story whether this story in your hermeneutical interpretation whether this story is a reality that happened or it's a fiction that christ created to 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 further or expound on on his teaching that's not the point the point is there are lessons to be gleaned from this story that is found in the book of Luke chapter 16 there's the story of Lazarus and the rich man so let me read from Luke chapter 16 from verse 19 to 31 it says There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Status. At his gate was was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. Once more, status. Death does not respect status. One was a beggar, another one lived in opulence and sufficiency. But both, the Bible says, death comes to both. The rich and the poor. The, the wise and the foolish. In Hades, he was in torment. It says one was taken to Abraham's bosom. Another one was taken to Hades or Hades where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he's comforted and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from here to us. Once again, we come to the realization again that how we live here on earth, our demographics are not as important as our relationship with god there are rich people who die born again there are poor people who die as sinners. So it's not a question of demographics. It boils down to the very idea that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And unless a person puts their faith in Christ Jesus, their surroundings, their education, their opulence, or their poverty, none is of eternal consequences. And that is something we tend to overlook. We think God has favoritism, but he shows no favoritism God. God wants all of us to be blessed to the extent that we are by faith able to receive that. And in his sovereignty, he would also allow bad things to happen. But all these things, he works them for our good and Ultimately, all these things conform to who is will, his will, purpose, and pleasure. Let's continue reading. The rich man answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. So bottom line, Man can harden his heart towards God. And sometimes the conditions of our lives can harden our hearts towards God. Good. When people live in riches, their hearts can be hardened towards God because they think I have everything. Why should I need God? And therefore they do not think about death and draw their hearts toward God. In a similar vein, those that are in poverty, their hearts can be hardened towards God. Why, if God is good, why am I suffering? Why do the wicked prosper and I suffer? If I'm a child of God and I do everything, my heart can be hardened against God if I don't see beyond the atrocities and see the goodness of God. But our point in reading this story is the request of the rich man. The request of the rich man, he says, I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not come to this place. If your loved ones were in a place of torment for argument's sake, it is apparent that if they knew that the life that they collectively lived with you in denial of christ as lord and savior in anger against god in unbelief if they know you still lived like that it would seem beyond the grave they would wish for you to repent so that you don't end up where they end up in other words they would wish you turn your heart towards God and not against God the corollary is a foregone conclusion if your your loved ones are with Christ and they, they do not experience any affliction they, they are their, their tears are wiped away. They are living in perpetual joy. Obviously, their desire would be for you to come where they are. By implication, they would want you to honor their memory by living for God and not aborting the purposes of God for your life and not live in misery, they would, if they were to say, they would say, my friend, my son, my child, continue living because the purposes of God for your life are not suspended by my absence out of your life. I may have gone, but God is still with you. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. In God, you still have everything you need to live, to overcome, and to come out of the situation as a conqueror. They would most likely say to you, rise up, be strong in the Lord, strengthen yourself, for the journey is still long, and you still have many enemies to conquer. And I, that's how I felt, Maybe my theology is wrong on the matter. But that's how I felt. I felt after my mom's death that even if the enemy may think he has defeated me, in honor of my mom's memory, I want to live for God to fulfill my purpose in God because that's what I believe my mom would have wanted. Another point to consider is simply that you need to learn to grieve grieve with hope grieve with an understanding that God is good you know sometimes when when we read the idea given to us by Paul Paul tells us that when we grieve We must grieve not as the world does. In other words, Paul is not saying, do not grieve. Rather, he's saying, grieve as those who have hope. As he speaks to the the Thessalonians, he reminds them that grieving is a normal response to death. But what does it mean to grieve with hope? Does it mean we deny our feelings? No, it doesn't. Does it mean we don't have pain? No, it doesn't. For me, this is where grieving with hope starts. In Matthew chapter 11, we have read this before. Jesus says, in verse 28 of Matthew, chapter 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, those of you that are burdened, come to me. So in other words, because all comfort comes from God, he is the father of all comfort, and we cannot go to the father for the comfort we need, for the strength we need. Without Jesus, we must first come to Jesus and lay down our burdens. Acknowledge your pain. Take whatever feeling you have, whether it's anger, don't let anger towards God drive you away from God, but take it to God. Be like Jonah. Jonah said, I'm so angry, I want to die right now. Elijah said, if this is how it's going to be, let, um, I, I, I'm not better than my, my ancestors. Let me die. Moses was also angry, but these men took their anger to God. And when you have questions, don't run away. Tell him, father, daddy, abba, father, I am angry. I don't understand. But I come to you with that anger. Don't bottle it. Tell it to him. Also, freely so, communicate your suffering to God. Don't hope it will go away. In Psalm 62, verse 80 says, Trust him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refugee. For us, in whatever way you want to, to, you know, psychologists sometimes say write letters. I say do so. Write a letter, journal, capture your emotions and tell God. Remember that God is closer to the brokenhearted. So if God is closer to the brokenhearted, it makes sense to get closer to him let god know your pain tell him about your pain you know but i think most importantly desire to hear what god has to say about your pain because as you listen to him god will provide the way not not only does god comfort us but the bible says if it's a temptation if it's an affliction god He's able to provide a way out. He's the one who heals eventually. Remember what Psalm 34 verse 19 says. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So be persistent in going to God. Godly grieving means we take our sorrow to God and we look unto God. To comfort us, to strengthen us, to give us perspective, a seventh look unto their master. And for today let me lend it here. I want to lend it with something that I, I know is controversial. I'm saying it aware that I run the risk of getting into all kinds of debate. But I'm just putting it there so that you ponder it as well. Remember, God interacts with everyone for their salvation or condemnation throughout their living state. In other words, no one comes to earth nor dies without God interacting with them. God says, Before you were formed, I knew you. When you were born, when you're, I I knitted you, I knew you. When you are born, God is there. When you, you live, God is there. When you die, God is there. In other words, there's never really a time in his omnipresence God is not interacting with people. Whatever the final outcome of their lives, whether they get born again or not, the point I'm trying to bring home is that God is involved and God has interacted with them. And they are finality has been known to God. And in a sense, God has interacted with them about it. Some cases are obvious, some are not. The case of the thief on the cross. It's a simple classical case. But there's cases of people who die. In our minds, they didn't know God. We don't know what happened at their last hour. I don't want to get into those debates. What I'm trying to get to is God is involved throughout the conception and the life and the death of everyone to communicate, to work out salvation, the finality of what becomes of those people is firstly the sovereignty of God and the will and the choice of those people. And I do understand that, at least me, a, a believer's point of view, the most painful part of death, at least for me, is the death of a family member who did not know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. But for that, I want to comfort myself by saying, God has been involved with their lives in ways that I don't know. And I don't know how they have responded. If they are infants, God is involved. I don't know what he communicates to their spirit. So I just want us to, to pray as we close off today's session. As you deal with the death of your loved ones, the loss of your loved ones, the sicknesses and so on and so forth, remember God is involved you can choose to get him out of the situation to not involve him you can choose to walk away from him but he's still there except that you don't want to involve him so I want to pray that you'll find grace to involve God in your healing process in your grieving process in all your confusion and your your trials and tribulations and if you're dealing with pain you can run to him if you are not born again you will be the person who gives us the greatest of grief when we know that you have denied jesus when you had an opportunity may i invite you won't you wherever you are say dear lord jesus come into my heart and be my lord and my savior i accept you today so father we thank you for what we have heard today and i pray that it builds faith builds understanding i'm aware that it may not lessen the pain but i i hope and i trust lord that it will give us a perspective to stand even after we have fallen because of grief. To have a perspective that there is no postponing living for God if indeed death is closer. Between death and us stands Jesus. May we come to Jesus before death comes to us. This I ask to your glory. I ask for the comfort of everyone who is bereaved. May they experience the comfort of your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.